But I want to dive into uh, our series on James now, and I'm really excited about today. I hope you are too. And uh, we're going to go to James chapter 3 here in just a moment. But if you haven't been here, you know, it's summertime. Uh, it's kind of crazy. People do vacations and uh, been out of town and different things. And so I want to catch you up to speed on kind of what's been going on. We've been talking about uh, the, the, this letter from James. And, and a few weeks ago, Jesse got us started by really... Uh, assessing the whole kind of content of James is, is this kind of discussion about faith and works, and, and, and that faith isn't some just abstract idea, but faith is actually embodied. That faith is not some kind of idea of something in the clouds or in the heavens, but faith is a verb, it's an action, it has hands and feet, and faith has eyes, and faith has a heart and ears. All of these things are, are actions that come out of true faith, true religion is embodied. It's not just something that we attend and then leave, it's something that we live that's where he kind of got us started, and uh, as our teaching team was really breaking down this letter, we, we were looking at all these themes that were kind of ongoing, like faith and works and several other themes, and what we noticed was that James was really interested in using these metaphors about the body, and really what we saw initially, like right at the very beginning, uh, chapter 1, verse 4, he talks about really maturity, and that really considerate joy, what I called one of the toughest scriptures in all of the Bible, is to consider it joy when you face trials. And we all just are like, yeah, right, you, you don't consider it joy, you're not excited when rough things are going. But I, I think this kind of gives us a window into what James is writing this whole thing about. And it was about maturity, it's about the growth of believers, that, that where we started is not where we finish. And just because we may feel weak now, God's goal is completeness for us. It's wholeness for us. And just because we feel broken and, and, and hurting right now and maybe insecure and doubting, God's not done with this. He's got a process that we're going through. And he uses these metaphors. And so the past few weeks, we've been breaking those down. And today, we're kind of getting right in the middle of that. So a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the ears and, and how God wants us to mature in the way we listen how we listen to him, and, and not always being quick to talk, but really being, being slow to talk and quick to listen, and, and maturing in how we listen to his voice, and how we listen to those around us, and the needs that are around us. And Jesse took it last week and really challenged us to see differently, to begin to see the people around us, and not showing favoritism, not drawing a line in the sand, but really engaging with the people around us, and how we view them, view them with God, and with faith in that see what's on the horizon for them, and that there's maturity that needs to take place in the way we see other people. And today we're, we're, we're going to begin to wade into the waters, and we're not going to jump off the deep end, we're just going to wade in a little bit this morning. So if you'll join with me, we're going to do that. Before we do, I want to just take a deep breath and just uh, say a word of prayer. Is that okay? Let's, uh, let's do that. God, thank you. Thank you for the people that are in this room right now. Um, I'm crazy enough to think that they're here for a reason. Uh, I'm crazy enough to believe that you have a plan for our lives. And um, God, that there's, there's something bigger going on than just the things that we see and the things that we hear. But God, ultimately, you know. You know what's going on, God, and you're working out your perfect plan. Help us to find ourselves humbly this morning, willing to soak up the life-giving words of Scripture and, um, and embody what it means to be a true believer uh, in, in Christ and in, um, God, in your plan, help us to embody that and live that out. 
We're grateful for our time together. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So if you ask anybody uh, about me that's known me for a long time or even has just met me recently, they've been around me long enough, they'll know this much. I have a, a bit of a smart mouth. Does <laughs> anybody else got a smart mouth in here? Um, I've got a bit of a smart mouth, and, and Lord is working on me about it, but um, it's, it's not really over with. In fact, I think when I was a, a kid, I was maybe in elementary school, I was, uh, you know how they do the superlatives thing? I think mine was most likely to be a lawyer, <laughs> it, it, which is kind of funny. Um, but uh, I think it's just because I always wanted to argue, I always had a smart comment to say, and so they kind of voted me most likely to be a lawyer, and it actually got me in trouble the other day. So many of you know we've moved into a new home, and there's boxes all over the place, and I'm sick of tripping over them, first of all. I, I just can't feel at home until they're all put away, and so I asked Taryn, and I asked, she's not in here, she's over in the, the kids, but I asked her if I could share this today, and um, I, I, my smart mouth got me in trouble, and I said, hey, babe, what do you want me to do with these crap boxes? <laughs> I mean, these craft boxes, <laughs> and I, let, I let, let that out, and um, needless to say, she was not happy about me recognizing her boxes as something less than what they were, um, and, and so my smart mouth continues to get me in trouble today, but I think that's really where I, I want to dive into today is the importance of our words, and that words are important. Things that come out of our mouth mean something. They influence those around us in a very great way. I didn't really, I, I didn't realize this until just a few years ago, I feel like, in, in its fullest extent. Taryn and I both have grown up in, in full-time ministry Almost our entire lives, Taryn, her entire life, has, her parents have been in full-time ministry. They've been pastors. Mine, almost my entire life, my parents have been in full-time ministry. So there's, there's really not been a time where we haven't been in full-time ministry. Even though we were kids, we were just exposed to this. And, and so I realized that, that people are always kind of judging what you say. And so this kind of thing of leadership in your home, it, was, it kind of had a different feel for us being involved in the church like that. Uh, but I didn't know how important it was till uh, just a couple of years ago. We were serving in Georgia. We'd been there a few years. And I began to realize something, that the things that I had said when I first got there, and I, and I, and I was looking at people like, where am I not connecting? Are, are you hearing kind of what I'm saying and, and trying to like lead and teach? And, and uh, I didn't feel like anything connected until a few years later, and I realized, and I hear them saying things that we had taught several years before. And it kind of just struck me. And all of a sudden, I just, I felt just a weight of responsibility that what I say matters. And like, if I say something to someone, like they, like it was maybe just a flippant word to me or just whatever setting to me, but to them, maybe that was like life or death. And I don't want to, to kind of play like wordplay and kind of make something bigger than what it is, but our words matter. And I think that's where James is going to take us to this morning. Uh, and so let's go to James chapter 3, verse 1, and we're just, we're going to start, and we're just going to take these first 12 verses of this chapter. The chapter is not too much longer than that, but we're just going to take these first 12 verses. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Okay, so not many should become teachers, because we're going to be judged more strictly. So I, I think it's easy for us to uh, really, I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, being slow to speak and, and um, quick to listen, right? We talked about that a little bit. <clears throat> and um, I, I think he, he's saying something, I think to us, if you'll allow me a little bit of liberty, that's more than just 
teaching, but I, I think it's also about influencing. John Maxwell, who's one of the, the largest teachers on leadership in the world, says that leadership is influence. It's nothing more, it's nothing less. It's influence. And, and for us to realize that our words matter and we can influence someone with our words either positively or negatively, but we have to realize this kind of weight of, of, of teaching is basically what we're doing in leading and influencing people. And, and you may say, hey, I'm not a leader. I'm not influencing anyone. And it, it, you don't have to have a platform. You don't have to have a, a microphone. You don't have to have a title to influence people. I mean, you think about the people who have had a true impact on your life. Some of them have had titles. Some of them have not had titles in your life in their leadership role. And so it, it really, it's not based around that. And so though he's kind of like pointing to teachers, I think it's bigger than that, that our, our influence goes beyond a, a leadership title of a teacher or anything like that. Us in our lives, what we speak and say matters. And, and though we may post things in our modern age online or, um, and we just kind of let it go and we don't think about the impact they have, do you realize that maybe when we speak something, you know, that could cause doubt in someone, that could cause bitterness in someone, that could cause envy, that could cause lust in someone. And so maybe we kind of like, oh man, you're telling me to look after everything I say about how it's going to affect someone else? Yeah, yeah, I sort of am. Yeah. yeah, I'm saying that your words matter. And for some of us, that maybe, maybe you've gone through a whole day and you've just said a bunch of things and, and at the end of the day, you're like, does anyone ever even hear me? Does it ever even matter that I've said anything? Did I do anything important today? Did, I, did anything I, I do matter today? I don't know if you've ever felt like that at the end of the day. No, this much, it does you have an opportunity. Everything you need to have a great impact, an incredible impact on the kingdom of God is at your fingertips as we speak. You don't have to, to do anything else except realize that your words have influence right now. You don't have to have a title. Someone doesn't have to elevate you. Uh, the scripture looks at us as all priests. The scripture looked at, at Israel as a royal priesthood, and I believe that, that we are all elevated that area just because I'm sitting on a six-inch stage right now, which we tried to make as small as possible because we'd be touching the ceiling otherwise. Um, uh, it doesn't matter. We're all in this place that, that we're called to lead and influence people for the kingdom of God, and we all have everything we need at our fingertips, but it can go positively or it can go negatively. Those things that we say, just because a person throws a cigarette into um, the forest, just because they don't watch it burn all the way down, doesn't mean that spark didn't start a forest fire. Just because we throw a word out there and we walk away and we're not looking at the damage doesn't mean there's not some damage that's done. And I can't tell you, just as God's changed my heart, how many times I regret the things I've said. I regret saying to my wife what I said the other day. How many times I look back into when I was a teenager, when I was in middle school, things in elementary school, literally, that I look back and be like, God, I'm so sorry. And, and, and I'm just repentant for the things that have come out of my mouth because I know that it probably hurt somebody along the way. But the opposite is true too. We can have words that positively influence people, that, that bring faith to people, that bring encouragement to people by the, the just small kind of words, either it's kindness or uh, encouragement or scripture, whatever it might be. Uh, we have, uh, our words have power and weight, and, and when we don't think anybody hears it, they probably do. And when you think it doesn't matter, it probably does. 
So that's, I think what he's kind of starting us off at is this impact that we have on the people around us. And I don't think when he's talking about being judged more strictly, I, I, I don't think necessarily he's, he's discounting the grace of God by any means. Look at verse 2 here, um, or the mercy of God. We all stumble in many ways. So he's like, look, we're all in this thing together. If anyone who's never been at fault in what they say is perfect, they're able to keep their whole body in check. And he's taking things a little deeper. So he's not discounting the grace of God. He's saying, look, we're all there. But this tongue thing, it's a big thing when it comes to our maturity as believers. And like, if you can start getting your mouth in check, I think you're probably going to be doing pretty well with the rest of it. And so here's our challenge for today is maybe we're struggling in another area. Maybe we're really battling an addiction of some sort that we know God's not pleased with that's bringing catastrophe to our life in some way or shape or form. Um, and, and here's the challenge, is maybe that other thing that's going on, maybe for the next week or two, maybe we just look at our mouth. And we really, really begin to see what's coming out of our mouth because the, the power of life and death is in the tongue. And so if we can really begin to see what's coming out of our mouth, see if what's coming out is, is, is bringing life or is bringing death to our circumstances, circumstances to the people around us. So though he's starting on this kind of impact and influence we have on other people and this kind of being judged strictly by others, though he's starting here, he's not, he's not staying there. It's all about us, all about us individually growing. Because you'll know that maturity, true maturity as believers and as people, is not being obsessed with fixing everyone else. It's being obsessed with growing personally. And we find out that we, we can actually impact people positively when we're focused on God doing his work in here. I, I heard a, a quote from a, was an elderly Middle Eastern man, and, and he said, um, you know, when I was a young man, I really just sought to change the world. Everything I sought, I just wanted to change the world in some grand way. And he said, when I got a little bit older and I was kind of in my middle years, he said, I really hope to really have a great impact on my family and friends, those that were closest to me. I really hoped I could make a genuine change in those people. He said, now that that I'm an old man, he said, I really just hope to change myself. I really just hope that I can be what what I want to see in the world. It's such a deep thing about maturity, and it's not about getting into these all complex things. I mean, think about the things we've been talking about the past couple of weeks. Listening. Looking. James is trying to bring these kind of difficult aspects of maturity into the most practical, simple, almost childlike understanding for us to say, look, start here. Start with what comes out of our mouth, and then we'll be able to keep our whole body in check. So it's not about everybody else. It's really about what kind of growth we're having. Let's continue to verse 3. When we put bits into the mouth, mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Many of you know what bits are. It's a way they communicate uh, when they ride horses, a little thing they put in there. Some people are like crying about, you know, those hurting the animals or whatever, but it's a way to communicate with them. Um, or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and they're driven by strong winds, they're steered by this small, very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Continue. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small 
spark. Words are important. I mean, think about how a word can kind of change the way you view something. Think about, um, let's think here. Think about the word um, danger. Like if I say, oh, don't go outside, it's dangerous. You're like, okay, I'm staying inside. But if I say caution, like, okay, we can proceed, but like, Keep our eyes peeled. It changes it. One word changes everything. If I say the word, hey, I've got this, um, this old radio you can have, you're like, I'm good. I'm good. I don't need your old radio that plays eight tracks. What am I going to do with that? But if I say I've got this vintage radio, you're like, hey, that looked pretty cool in my house. Our, actually, our TV in our room sits on this old vintage radio. Uh, it changes things. Here's the one I, I love to, to share all the time, and it's the word I, it's changing the word have to get. So what if I told you that you never have to go to work again, like literally you never have to go to work again, because you don't. You don't have to go to work ever again. You don't. What if I told you you get to go to work every single day? And like what if you, what if you started looking at that? Like, I, I just want to know what would begin to happen as you begin to say that to yourself and you said, oh, I've got to go to work today. Yeah, I don't want to have to go anywhere. No, none of us want to have to do anything. But when we begin to change our mindset, when we begin to change what's coming out of our mouth, when we say we get to, you know what? I may start making some sales because I'm in a little better attitude because I get to do it. I have an opportunity today. Uh, my coworkers may not be annoying because I realize I have a choice to be here. I can stay home and get fired if I want to. I get, I get to be here and work and use what God's given me to provide for my family and, and reach those people around me. I get this incredible opportunity. And you say, man, man you, you, know, you don't have my job. No, I, I don't. I don't. But I've watched this play a major role in my life in shaping the way I think and, and how I, I, I get through the things that I hate to do. And I'm like, well, I get to do this. I mean, I don't have to. I, I can do something else. I'm probably going to get fired. And there's some consequences to it. But at the same time, I get to, and I just wonder what would begin to change in our perspective when we realize we get to. These incredible opportunities around us. It, it, it's not just, you know, drudging through the monotony of life, but we get to do these things. We don't have to go to church. We get to go to church. And, and man, when I was in, in Mexico several years ago, they had just had this crazy, like, flood. I mean, like, it's a low low waters or low um like below sea level or something um already there and, and so any water it just stands and so it was crazy i mean literally we were driving through water that was like this and, and we were there to do a mission trip we were help building this church but they're just now getting completed it, it's looking really beautiful uh, but the water was standing so high and we were trying to reach out to people and kind of you know bring them to this central meeting place but we were having to walk through crazy water, and the water was not the worst of it. Mosquitoes, I mean, they were like something off like an alien movie. They were so enormous, like the biggest mosquitoes. I literally can't explain to you. We got in the bed of a truck, and literally, we were sitting back there, and, our, and I'm not exaggerating in the least bit. I, I wouldn't do it. My arms were covered. Every single person's arms were covered because there was so much standing water there from this flood. And so we're holding, you know, these kind of gatherings. We're going to hold worship, and I'll teach. And uh, we don't know, like, who's going to show up. They're like, man, they've got to walk through this stuff. If they have a car, they're not coming 
through this, they'll get stuck in this. Like, there's no way they'll show up. I mean, we're just expecting maybe one or two people will come. Man, by the time we look up and we see some of, of these Mexican girls coming, they're in these beautiful Sunday dresses, and they've got their heels in their hand, and they're walking through this mud, holding their dresses up so that they don't get muddy. And they get there, and they do what they have to do to clean off their feet. They're not even worried about it. They're fighting through the mosquitoes, and they're there, and they've got the biggest smile on their faces, and these beautiful children that are laughing and playing, having a great time with us. And man, I just got punched in the stomach when I saw it. I'm like, man, they, they get this. Like, they... They get to do this. They're so excited about this opportunity to worship with people that something's going on here. They didn't say, oh man, I have to do this. None of them were like begrudging, why did you do this today? I mean, it rained, can't you see the mosquito? None of them approached it like that. They, they saw it as a great opportunity to gather together with people that believed or people that were struggling and needed to, to find hope. They, they got to do it. And, and I just wonder maybe, what little thing could have happened in our past week and, and we just said, oh man, I've got to go do this. And I wonder what could have changed in the coming week as we say, I get to go do this. And just see that God has divine opportunities for us all around. You may say, man, that's just a lot of positive talk and I don't think that's really how it works. Well, you may be right, but I, I know for me, like this is literally, it's transformed my life and learning that what comes out of my mouth matters. It affects my heart. You ever find somebody that's just constantly bitter and everything that comes out of their mouth is just like, dude, what's wrong with you? Starts, starts deep down. Starts real deep down. Psalm 139, 4 says, God, before a word's ever on my lips, you know it. Before a word's ever on my lips, you know it. God knows our heart. He knows what's going on down below. And, and, and if we look at, at this passage where James is leading us, that's where he's taking us to. He's not focused on everybody else. He's, not fo- he's focused on our heart, what's going on inside of us. And you may have come in here and look around, and you may say, what's going on with them? What's going on with this person? Just for the next few moments, can we just say, God, speak to me. Like, Let this resonate within me. Let it change me. Let's go back. I, I think we're at verse Five, maybe. Likewise, the tongue's a small part. makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. How many celebrities, how many politicians, how many athletes, they say one word, they say one comment, what kind of backlash do they get? How many people does President Obama have on his staff to write speeches? Why? Because every word matters. Because there's, not just because of the backlash, but think of the positive action. I mean, think of the words that have resonated with history, like, I have a dream. Think about words like that. Words matter and can resonate with someone. And what I would pray is we kind of leave this place, that we would somehow walk out with a prayer and realize that our words uh, is connected. It's a verb. It's an action. And they have great influence, and it can, can start a whole fire. The tongue also, it, it's a fire. It's, I love what he puts here. It's a world of evil among the body parts. Like if you were listing them, what's the most evil body part? The tongue probably wouldn't come to mind. But he says it's evil. Like it's, it's, it's the worst. It corrupts the whole body. He says it starts here. Sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. Like this is intense language as we look at it and like he's raising the stakes saying like 
There is power in your words. So if you didn't hear it enough by my lips saying, hey, our words are important. Look at his. He's like, his words are like really intense, like set on like by, on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures, they're being tamed. They've been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil. It's a full of deadly poison. Um, how many of you uh, have like, tra- like potty trained either a child or an animal? Two different things. Um, yeah, he's saying that, look, this isn't your kid and this isn't your animal. When you train a kid, um, it may take some time, but a- after a certain point, you don't still have to train them how to use the bathroom. Or I, I use potty training because I know you haven't really tamed much. I mean, nobody's taming lions or snakes or something like that. Um, but you don't have to retrain and keep doing all those things. Once you do it, it kind of lasts. Tongue's not like that. It's restless. Like it's going to keep on keeping on, and you are going to have to keep it in check every single day of your life. Like this doesn't get over with. And that's why it's so important that it's going to keep on and it's, it's affecting what's going on on the inside. And, and it, it's at the heart, I believe, of what God's trying to speak to us this morning. Uh, a few weeks ago, we were at uh, my in-laws and Taryn's grandparents were there. And uh, her, her grandmother, uh, you ever find somebody that just like, they just don't care anymore? Like they just don't care. They just say what they want. Maybe a 12-year-old, maybe a 34-year-old, maybe an 88-year-old. They just don't care. They're just going to say what they want. I think she's there. Um, she, I'm standing across the room, and she says to me, she says, Kyle, when are you going to get a man's haircut? And I just, I, like, I didn't know what to say. I was shocked, but I, I've known her long enough. I'm not shocked. Um, when are you going to get a man's haircut? And I was like, Ugh, I don't even know what to say to this. So I tried to pull out some biblical examples, like Jesus. I tried to pull that one. She wasn't buying it. Um, but the tongue's a restless evil, and it can greatly influence. I laugh about that, and I don't care. But, but some of us, the words that come out of our mouth, or maybe it's not even to someone directly. Maybe it's not to the person that, that, that could be offended Maybe it's to someone in your house. Maybe it's to a random stranger. Oh, and you think, they don't know them, so it doesn't matter. Well, maybe it does. Maybe it makes them question who you are. Like, what are they going to say when I walk away? Our, our words matter. Like, and it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't have to be direct. It can be indirect. And It matters. It can be online, it can, it can be in a side, it can be a little calm. These things matter. And, and if we're really going to begin to walk in maturity and take these steps of growth, let's start here. James is saying, look, let's start here. If we can do this, we're going to be able to keep the whole body in check. Let's look at Matthew chapter 23, verse 25, one verse in which Jesus is really, really annoyed here. He says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. Clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. Did I tell you to do 26? I didn't tell you to do 26. Uh, and, and 26 says, look, if you clean the inside, the outside's going to be clean too. 
He says, if you'll clean the inside, the outside is going to be clean too. And here he's going off. What's like the number one complaint you'd say from non-believers or non-Christians? That What's their number one complaint about Christians? They're hypocrites. A bunch of hypocrites, which I've got a whole teaching I'll do on that, in which I, I, I'm like, duh, we're hypocrites. We all come here and say we need Jesus because we are hypocrites. Like, duh. Um, but that's like their number one thing. And Je- it's like Jesus' number one thing too. <laughs> he says, he says, you're a bunch of hypocrites. You're just cleaning the outside of the cup. It's funny in this process. I was telling Jesse, who runs our Instagram and a lot of our graphic design, and I have like friends that kind of follow us around the country, and like, man, looks like things going great. And I'm like, yeah, man, they're going good. And, and they'll usually make a comment about what they see online and really are pictures and still frames where you really don't know like what's going on behind. And I'm like, yeah, man, we're doing a really good job cleaning that outside of the cup. <laughs> I just joke with them. I'm not saying like everything's dirty on the side, but I just joke about it because that's how they view it. That's how they view it. It's all based on what they see on the outside. And honestly, we do the same thing with people. We just look on what's on the outside. It goes back to last week's message. We just, we show favoritism. We, we, we kind of have our own ways of, of viewing people. And, and Christ here says, first clean the inside of the cup. Then the outside's going to be clean. That, that's so contradictory what many of us grew up in churches in which it was all about behavior modification coming from the outside and not inner purity happening. When we met Jesus, something changed. It happened when we met the church, they told me to change. There's a big difference. They sound close. They're so different. Because I'll always push back from someone that tells me to change when I have to do so. I'll always push back. We're human. Every single one of us do. We say we don't. We're compliant. Whatever. We're liars. The truth of the matter is that when we meet Jesus, things will be different. I, I won't move because you told me to. I'll move because I fell in love with Jesus. And because he changed me, and I felt healing, I felt peace and joy and hope when I met him. And from there, I, I can't help but respond and change. I can't help it. it. It happened from the inside out, not the outside in. So Jesus is saying, clean the inside, and something's going to happen there because out of the heart, the mouth speaks is uh, another verse Jesus says. Uh, let's go back to, I think, believe, I believe it's verse 9, and we're going to wrap this up and land the enterprise. I saw Star, Star Trek. It was a good movie. Land the enterprise here. Uh, verse 9. There we go. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings. I think James is leading us to this central point and this is where he's trying to get to our heart. We, who have been made in God's likeness. Two things happening. Praise and curse, the same mouth. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing, my brothers and sisters. Should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives? Or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can salt, a salt spring produce fresh water. He's saying that it comes from your heart. He's saying this isn't about everybody else. This isn't about trying to discipline yourself. He's saying this starts with your heart and you meeting Jesus on the inside and saying, I want to be more like him. It doesn't happen to me saying, hey, you should do this. You should start doing it. You can hear my words and you can try to act them out today and it'll only survive for so long. But when this happens from the inside of you, when you, when you feel that there's no longer salty spring, but God let let pure, fresh springs flow from me. When that starts happening, 
is when fresh things will come out. It's not going to happen because I say, hey, you should start talking yourself positive. Yeah, that, that's somebody else's theology. That's not what James is saying here. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying, meet Jesus. Like, this is true religion is when faith happens on the inside and it comes out. When, when it becomes a verb uh, by what God's done in your heart. And that's when fresh water will come. I often listen to myself talk. I don't, have you ever done that before? Like listening to yourself talk? I learn a lot like that. And it's not because I've got brilliant things to say. No, no, it's the opposite. When I listen to myself talk, I realize what I, a lot of things I say are ignorant. I realize that a lot of things I say aren't even true. I realize that a lot of the things I say don't line up to the person that Jesus has called me to be. I realize when I listen to my words that that probably hurts somebody. Because me thinking about it, that would hurt me. When I listen to my words, I learn a lot, but it's not because I'm smart. It's because really I fall short of the glory of God. And Romans 3.23 says we all do. And this is that place where Christ is bringing us to and saying, grab a hold of this. But more than anything, let me grab a hold of this. Let me grab a hold of your heart. And, and God will do something fresh there. And so I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know kind of what you're going through. But I know this. Whatever you are going through, like you begin to uh, apply this and allow God to produce fresh water from the inside. I promise you, your marriage will get better. I promise you, you'll enjoy work more. I promise you, your kids will probably start respecting you more. I, I, I promise you, all these things are going to begin to happen, not because you're any better, but because Jesus is truly changing you and fresh water is coming out. It's not just, it's not just words anymore. You're now what Jesse often refers to as that you're a downspout for Christ. To bring someone encouragement, to bring someone hope, and not the opposite. Where you bring someone discouragement, you, you, you make them doubt, you make them question if Jesus is who he says he is. Now you have the, the opportunity to be a downspout for the Father. And I just want to pray in my own life, and I'm going to encourage you to pray in your own life. That God would somehow just resurrect the dead places. God would clean up the old rags that are filthy within our hearts. And you wouldn't hear this morning, you wouldn't just hear a preacher that's excited about words or positive talk. I pray you wouldn't hear that this morning. I pray that you wouldn't respond to that this morning because that won't last. I pray that you'd respond to a Jesus that can wash us clean. I love that old song like, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I love that old song. And more than anything, I, before we do anything, I just, I don't know, I wasn't planning this, but I felt led to lead us in a prayer of repentance. I do. Maybe it's from something this morning. Maybe it's like this week, like I said, with my own wife. Maybe it's something a long time ago that's been haunting you that came from your lips. I'm going to ask you to stand just as a sign of, yeah, I, I admit, you know, <laughs> I'm not able to keep my tongue in check either. 
And if you're, you don't have to stand, but and if you'll allow me, I want to pray a, a prayer of repentance for us as a body. But it's important that you say that prayer for yourself. Let's not take the grace of God lightly. Let's not take the mercies of God flippantly. But take them sincerely and let them change us from the inside out. God, when I get a clear picture of you, I'm convicted, God. The more I see and experience your love, God, I'm convicted. And I realize that I'm flawed and I'm stained and filthy many times and I'm a really poor reflection of you. God, right now we repent. Repent for the words that have come from our mouth that don't line up with the life that you've called us to. And God, help us to never move from a place of just behavior modification or moral like do-gooding, God, but really a place of transformation in our heart that fresh water flows out now because we've experienced your love. Forgive us, God. God, help us to to tell the people we've hurt either to their face or behind their back. God, help us to go to them and ask for that forgiveness as a place of healing for us, as a place for healing for them. God, that's true repentance. It's not just saying I'm sorry, but God, it's turning from our actions, turning from our mistakes. Help us to not repeat them. God, we love you today. I pray that as we're invited to the table in just a moment, God, that we would truly experience your love through the table. God, help us to speak words of life, words of hope, because our words matter. We love you today.